Welcome to Tarpod, the podcast for everything talent acquisition and recruitment. We're informative, controversial, and a little bit crazy. Now, please join your hosts and industry leaders, Lauren Sharp and Craig Watson. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Tarpod. I'm Lauren. And I'm Craig, and we're sitting here with Nicola, who we, who we were with last week. This is the continuation, so I'm going to throw it over to our IKEA flatpack specialist, archaeologist, <laughs> Lara Croft, Nicola. Oh, if you ever meet me in person, people, I'm such a disappointment. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> she looks just like Angelina Jolie. Just like her. <laughs> As you've grown this function, the, the internal function here, so it was, it was smaller, had smaller scope, and it's a lot larger. What about the challenges internally with hiring managers who had had relationships with maybe agencies and didn't want to trust the internal function? Yeah. Has there been that? Of course. And there will always be a place for agency. I'd, my role is to ensure that the university has access to the best talent. Yeah. And now that might mean sometimes that I need agency support. Um, I'm okay with that. That's mm. not... Uh, mm. Um, what if what if you have the internal capability to work a role, and a hiring manager wants to go outside of that? Well, right now, we have so much work on. I think our reputation at that more senior end is really starting to develop. I've mm. got some great talent in my team, and we've had some really good successes. And so, certainly, um, our reputation is starting to grow. But we're also in a place where you just need to be ground up about this. And so yeah. if a hiring manager has a really strong aversion to working with my team and really wants to work with that third party, well, go ahead. It's yeah. your budget. But what we will do is we will work with that agency. We will make sure that you are getting value for your money. We'll make sure that the candidates that are being shortlisted are of a calibre that we would put forward will support you with the interviews. For all intents and purposes, that process is exactly the same. It's just that the source of hire ended up to be an agency and it might have cost you 80 grand. (laughs) (laughs) But that's okay. (laughs) I think it's important that talent teams have that element of control Mm. or influence or inclusion with that relationship if a hiring manager has Mm. one with an external um, because you need to have all the ducks lined up in the same way, so the processes work exactly the same way, and it's it's difficult because you know my business is a type of agency. Mm. Lauren works both sides, but you know a, a, an agency has a a prerequisite to try to get their talent in front of the person who's going to make the decision to hire. Mm. And I'm not saying it's via devious means because most people don't, but there's always that need for for talent to control that relationship to an extent or or influence and be involved you have to so control is an interesting word Mm -hmm. what i'm interested in controlling is the what the candidate is told about the organization and told about the role so i want to make sure that it's really authentic that they come in eyes wide open to the things that are great but the challenges that they're actually here to probably help us resolve yeah and when you start to decentralise that message out to agency, that's when things can go wrong. I'm not saying that that's deliberate, but sometimes you know, a, you know, a rose-coloured glass is put across the opportunity. When actually, you know, universities as a sector are transforming at a rate of knots yeah. 
you know, the innovation and the need to actually think about student as customer means that um, they do not operate in the same way they did. Mm. But that's a big change agenda and that means you need people in who can help you through that agenda um, to, to constantly be delivering a better outcome for your students and be ahead of the curve of other universities and ahead of what industry might need. So you and, you know, RMIT for instance, you know, I didn't know this, but Apple, Microsoft, LinkedIn, we use their data and they support us in terms of designing our course content wow. so that we understand what the next critical capabilities are going to look like so that mm. we can be ahead of the game. So innovation is really important, but I'm sort of going off track to, to no, your no, question. Not, yeah. I think it sort of points to what the institution is all about. Not not all about, but yeah. innovation technology. You know, RMIT started as a, you know, a Institute of Technology, yeah. the IT bit. Yeah. And um, to use, if you've got partnerships, strategic partnerships with, with Apple, Google, yeah. um, LinkedIn, uh, makes sense to use all of that data to create a better better process for everything. Yeah. You've got branding specialists in your team now and yeah. um, D&I and all those sorts of things. So it's pairing it back to the, the question. My, my question is, your capability has grown so much. Has it been communicated internally well enough? Do, do people who are making, who have got a job on internally and want to use it, do they realise your capability now compared to what it was even 12 months ago? Uh, um, so I think the proof is always in the pudding, yeah. right? So. For the most part, we don't have a big challenge with roles just going out to an agency yeah. and us not knowing about it. That, that doesn't happen very often, but still occasionally and, you know. So I think each individual's experience is where that reputation comes in and, and it isn't always perfect, you know. So we're working with an organisation that's had its ways of working. You know, if I think about academic recruitment, it was very, it was surprising to me to understand some of the, the things that are still involved in academic recruitment, which for, as a professional, you would find really off-putting. So right. key right. selection criteria, okay, yep. panels, things that make me feel like 20 years ago in the professional side mm -hmm. of recruitment is still very normalized within the academic world. And I think for me, part of my um, approach is not to just barge straight in and throw those things out because there's a very good reason why yeah. they're in there but it's to understand ways that we can deliver the information that the business is trying so hard to capture through these processes in ways that just give candidates a better experience so it's not to take things away it's to actually just give that information in a different way whilst making our candidates feel better because it doesn't matter I don't think how normalised it is to have a panel interview. It's really off-putting to a human to walk into a room to have four other people oh, yeah. asking you questions. Yeah. Like It doesn't matter how seasoned you are, that's hard. So, but that still is happening in our organisation at the moment. And you know, for anybody listening who might be having a panel interview, they're very nice <laughs> people, don't worry. Um, but we will look to how do we, how do we help give those candidates a better experience. But we're really in our um, first year of transformation. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's year two or three. I can see a part two of this podcast coming <laughs> in about two years time. I know, yeah, we'll find exactly how it's gone. Look, Nicola, you mentioned universities are transforming. So do you want to elaborate on that a little bit more today? How is RMIT growing? Yeah, great question. <laughs> um, so 
I think, you know, we're very used to um, the language of, you know, within retail about customers and we're very used to hearing things around customer experience, mm. et cetera, et cetera. And I think the university sector has been slower to adopt that sort of philosophy just generally. Yep. Um, and I think the nature of academia means that, you know, academic listening to this now would, would probably say that they are not a customer, they're a student, it's different, right? Right. But when you boil down the fundamentals, that student or customer or whatever we call them is paying for a service yeah. and they expect to leave with a certain level of proficiency that they don't have and to get their career. Mm. And so um, RMIT has always been really progressive in its alignment um, to industry. And we're really blessed with Martin Beam, who is our vice chancellor. So Martin previously um, was the global head of learning for Microsoft, and then he wow. ran Open Universities. Um, very digital wow. in his thinking, very progressive, and is just a phenomenal leader. And when I was, you know, approached about RMIT, I was really not sure. And then I saw some of the podcasts from Martin. I met Dion, our COO, uh -huh. um, obviously Ali, my boss. And, and these people have such vision and match with great skill sets mm. um, that you can't help but have confidence yeah. that the university will transform. And so when I think about what the university does, I'm constantly blown away by the stories that come out of um, RMIT. So research and innovation is one of the key pillars and it's about research being really practical so it's always or often in collaboration with industry to solve a problem. Yeah. And, and that can vary from things that look very small. So for instance, uh, uh, so hearing aids, right? This, I don't know why this random fact came into my <laughs> mind, but hearing aids, apparently, Changing a battery in a hearing aid, if you're old, is very challenging, right? They're right. really fiddly, and that has a real impact. If you can't do it, mm. then you, you know, your hearing aid's flat, you can't hear. Yeah, yeah. And so a really small thing that came out, I don't know, six months ago, was that RMIT redesigned a hearing aid so that it was really easy to change that battery, right? That's a very little thing, but it has a real meaningful impact, and I'm yeah, using yeah. it to illustrate the purpose of RMIT that my dad has that exact problem. Well, and you need to Google this after this. Doing, why can't we get them to develop a hearing aid that you just put on a charge pad like your phone? <laughs> Great question. Just have a Google. Maybe it does that. I'm, I'm sketchy on the detail. All I remember <laughs> is I remember the outcome, not the what we do in the middle. Um, so, so, so that's a really small example of like practical impact for good. Yeah, mm. And the other thing that I think is really, I don't, I don't know that it's transformative, I think universities have always done this, but Martin is very passionate when he says, as a university, as an institute of learning, if, we're, if we don't make a stand about these things, then who will? And when he's saying these things, he's talking about, you know, that we have gender parity in leadership, he's talking about that our indigenous community are recognised and that we enable our indigenous mm. communities to thrive. And so I think for me, it's an environment that actually blows me away at times in terms of the 
things that it delivers out into the world. Mm. And, that, and that's purpose. So I think that's really different to, you know, making, you know, I worked for Waste Farmers for some time. I certainly didn't feel the same sort of warm fuzziness when we made four billion for our shareholders. <laughs> you know, it's a lot of money. I was amazed at the size of the dollar amount, but did I, did I actually have an emotional response to the good that was being done? No, I didn't. So I think universities are very surprising. And for those people who've never considered university as a professional career step, they ought to have a think about that if purpose is something important. How do you get that purpose piece in front of prospective candidates? There was a lot of piece mm. in that. Yeah. Sentence. There was. Say that really quick. Go purpose on. Purpose piece for prospective candidates. Was that quick enough? Five times now. No, no. <laughs> Look at that. I'll quit while I'm ahead. The enunciation. <laughs> oh, so that's why we have our employment branding team, which is newly formed. So I think the employment branding manager has been with us, oh, I don't know, three months maybe. Mm. I've only been here 10. Yeah. So it's a really new journey and we brought a STEM specialist in to, to really help us in terms of how do we talk to amazing females within the yep. STEM space mm. to come and work here within the university sector. So there's, there's a lot to do. Do you target alumni? in recruitment process at all? No, and one of the biggest surprises to me, and it was funny, um, I said this to Martin, I expected to walk in and have this enormous talent pool yeah, just on tap for all this great people who graduated and got into the world that I'd just be ringing up and going, fancy a job? <laughs> but no, it didn't exist, but we are working on that. Yeah. So part of just getting more sophistication around how we source um, and how we talent pool and you know, looking into the future, how do we influence mm. better? So do you have your own grad program for your grads? No, we don't. And and that in itself is common in the university space, which wow, also blew my mind. I know, yeah? That I would have thought would have been a given. A given, a given yeah. yes. Oh so um, part of the talent program pieces of work is how do we actually strengthen our talent pipeline? And how do we support our students with giving them Mm. opportunities and, and thinking about RMIT as an employer so they wouldn't at all at the moment. Yeah. So we've been to a couple of career fairs and I think it's the first time the university's ever been as uh, an employer Yeah, because we're only focusing on mm. getting students. external yeah. industry yeah. to be there. So you're developing all of this talent and letting it out to the universe I know. and not harnessing it. Not harnessing it, yes. Oh my goodness. You'll get there. So we That's harness it in some ways. Yeah. I think our um, academic space has been a lot better at that and that's mm. pros and cons you know you need a good mix but I think certainly in the professional space we've got a really great opportunity ahead of us yeah that is a fantastic opportunity mm. you I think you probably would be the first university in Australia to have their own grad program I don't know I actually I don't, know don't know but that's um I've been told categorically we're not interested in what other universities do we're only interested in forging ahead Oh, that's great. That's great. great attitude to have, isn't it? It's amazing. The only benchmark is yourself. Exactly right, yeah. That yeah. is a good benchmark to have. On that note? I suppose we should say goodbye. Do we yeah, have to? Yeah, we'll have to. Oh, okay. We'll have to. Nicola, thanks so much for being with us. We're really looking forward to your presentation at RecFest, and also we're hoping that we can revisit your transformation project maybe this time next year or even sooner. As soon as there's really different updates that, yeah. that you've got out there, we would love to sit down with you again and, and mm. discuss through it. Sure. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having us. Thank you. I'll see you soon. See okay. you later. Thanks. Bye, Tar Potters.
Thanks for listening to Tarpod. Please don't forget to subscribe and look out for upcoming podcasts.